Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you're interested in getting one of these babies right here, right there, that's a free flashlight coming right at you. If you want one of those, send your details to marketing at axontire.com and tell them Moving Iron Podcast sent you and they will send you one in the mail as fast as they can. So if you're interested in getting one of these flashlights, Go to marketing at axontire.com, send them your details, and they'll get one to you in the mail as fast as they can. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer auction, I'm sorry, from a dealer or an auction, not a dealer auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. <laughs> Sean Hackett is from Hackett Financial from Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. And, Sean, we got some rain uh, over the weekend, and not just some rain. We got, like, inches of rain. So it's uh, definitely a, a turn of the tape. We're supposed to have this basically all week long, too, and not just in my area here, but <clears throat> eastern Colorado, all the way through. I mean, just the places that have really been – Pretty heavy with drought here. Are going to get some get some water. So I guess talk a little bit about that that drought cycle you were talking about and how that's going to be broken here. So I guess I guess we're starting to see the beginning of that. Well, we are. That's the whole process of going from La Nina to El Nino. You start to get away from the hot, dry pattern. You start getting to a uh, a cooler, wetter pattern. <coughs> and so we're starting to see that. And uh, as the Season gets goes gets further in, and the lightning weakens further. You'll see more and more rain. Cool, you know, it's going to progressively get more El Nino like versus La Nina like. And so this is the whole planting season in in the early growing season. It's been completely different from last year, and and so that's you know so many were anticipating the same you know, a repeat of last year because they were just assuming, well, we're in La Nina still. And, um, and that means same weather, but that's just not how it works when you're dealing with a second year La Nina that's weakening. Um, and some other factors uh, that we follow 
it's just it's actually going to lead to a pretty good growing season. Pretty good. We'll have a little bit of a hot, dry weather scare, maybe late June, early July, but it's not going to be a crop problem, just your typical garden variety weather scare. Gotcha. So. Okay. That's good to hear. All right. So what's your reaction to this? This morning I'm reading through my articles, kind of trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. And this one popped up. Russia's planning to work with Turkey on uh, getting Ukrainian exports out, grain exports out. Obviously that's going to send some shockwaves through the uh, – through the market today. So uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how do you see that affecting what, we, what we've seen over the last week or two? We're coming to a focal point. The harvest is about to begin. Russia harvest is about to begin for winter wheat. The Ukraine harvest is about to begin for winter wheat. They have to do something. I don't believe they have the storage to store the whole crop. So they've got to do something to get this available supply somewhere. And, uh, you know, so we're just getting to a point where, uh, as I said to you before in past podcasts, I don't believe Russia um, or China, you know, want the breadbasket of the world to go away. I mean, I think that they want that production to be viable. They want that region to be viable and they want to sell. So, I think that, you know, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's what we would have expected to be under normal circumstances, but it means that some of that crop can get out of the country that they can't store and at least alleviate. Remember, the, the expectation is zero, you know, that, that, that right. nothing is going to come out. So I don't think it's going to be zero. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm smart enough to know how much, but it's going to be something. And, it, and, and we talked, I think we talked about the other day where it's going to be sort of a a gradual workout, you know, it's not going to be this, we're all wide open. It's going to, all right, we're going to start this thing with Turkey. We're going to do a little more here, a little more there. And then we're going to keep dribbling and drabbling. And by the time we get to next year at this time, you know, maybe things will be back to normal, but it's going to be, it's going to happen in little pieces along the way to, so that the politicians can save face um, and that they can kind of wiggle their way into whatever posturing they want to, in terms of how they're going to get themselves out of this mess that they got themselves into and, and create some kind of a new normal, because I just can't imagine Russia wants the entire world to hate them. Uh, I, I just don't think that's in their long-term best interest to have the whole world, you know, hate, <clears throat> hating Russia. I just think they have to provide some goodwill to the world and say, look, you know, we understand we've done some things and you're having a problem. We're here to help <laughs> and, and, and here's some goodwill. I think they have to do yeah. that Casey. I just, I just yeah. don't think if they're looking at the long-term 20 year geopolitical game, that they're going to be successful. If the whole world says you starved my people, I just think that's a bad, yeah. bad approach and they have to do something. Everyone yeah. knows they have to do something. Yep. So this is, and, and you know, harvest is coming. So this is the time that you know the pressure's on. You have to do something now. And I think they're going to do something. No. Whether it's, man, there's a lot of different proposals, but something's going to happen to get that grain out. And that should put some sellers into the corn and wheat market for a little while yep. um, until we get into the growing season. Okay. So on the flip side of that, you've now got uh, the EU's reached a deal that they're going to cut off Russian oil. Right? They're, they're done. Had enough of it. So now you've got record prices for gasoline, you've got diesel shortages, we got all these different things <coughs> going around already. 
and that's uh you know wherever I, I guess no, I mean oil's a finite thing. There's only so many gallons of oil that are flowing around there, right? But what what Russia is going to send their stuff off to China or wherever, but that's going to be that scene. But when you look at the the immediate future here for for energy, I guess what are your what's your how much do you, impact do you think this is going to have? Well, I don't think this is a surprise. Everyone's been expecting this, right? Uh, and I've said this before: if if uh, Russia has to sell their oil, they have to. They need the money. It's just that simple. They right. have to sell, so they're going to sell it to China. So China's going to buy a lot more oil from Russia, and to the extent that they buy more oil from Russia than they normally do, it frees up oil from other countries. That's not going to go to China. That's free up to go somewhere else, like EU. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you said, there's X amount of barrels. And so if you say we're not buying your barrels and you are buying their barrels and you buy more, it means you need less from Saudi Arabia or whatever. Saudi Arabia then has more supply available then to sell to you. So it's really just a question of who you're buying the oil from, really. Mm-hmm. It, it's, 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 it's just saying we don't want to buy the oil from you. And so we're going to buy from somebody else, and, and the Russians will say, okay, we'll sell to somebody else. But it doesn't really change anything, really. It doesn't change. There's still X amount of oil out there, and it's going to find its place to whoever uh, needs it, wants it, is allowed to buy it, whatever. And so it doesn't – I don't really think it's a big deal. The whole thing with diesel shortages and all, that's more to do with refinery capacity right. than anything else. That's got nothing to do with Russia. <clears throat> we – I think we talked about this. It's been such a terrible business for so long that we, you know, we've, we dropped our capacity, our refinery capacity, by like 40%. And then we put off maintenance schedules because of COVID that now we're, you know, that they have to bring these plants down in order to fix, you right. know, do the normal maintenance. It's just we don't actually have enough refinery capacity. If we did, we wouldn't have a diesel shortage. We have plenty of oil. Right. We have plenty of capacity to produce diesel. Uh, in terms of oil supply, we just don't have enough refinery capacity. And, you know, if you just finished shutting down 40% of your refinery capacity because it wasn't profitable, you know, how, 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 how quickly are you going to be wanting to rebuild those refinery capacities? Right. You know, it, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you, and remember, you, just, you, you were told for two to three years you're killing everybody. You're the, you're the evildoers. You know, you're the, the devil's hand. You know, we may want you out of business. And so are they really going to – so the father making some money. Right. Um, yep. I think they're per- perfectly happy making money and saying, well, look, we're, you, know, you want us to build some more capacity? You want us to go build more refinery capacity? Fine. But you have to give us some guarantees. You have to give us you – know, you have to give us some support here instead of we're the evildoers, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to have some, some support somewhere to make that make, – I mean – Go make some more well, diesel, the, and then. So, so the reality is, that this yeah. is all a function of poor economics and poor political policy. Um, and what has to happen is profits have to go up, which they are, and the political policy has to shift. We don't have a. a we're not ready for a complete energy shift. We don't have the to what. We, we, we haven't, we, we, you know, you can't go from one energy construct to another without having the other one ready to go 
set up knowing it's available, knowing it's economical. We don't have it set up yet. Yeah. So we, we could talk all we want about this, that, and everything else, but we don't have a, a to who. And so the, the problem is we don't have a to, you know, to, where, to what energy source are we going to that can really uh, overcome or, or handle uh, not using crude. What happens is you have the problems that we're having. You have insufficient energy resources, insufficient energy infrastructure, shortages because there is no other energy source that we have established that can actually take over not using crude right that doesn't mean there won't be something i know there's extremely smart people all over the world in their garages in their cars in their attics looking at how to find that next cheap energy source and they will find it but until they do we better just slow this down and uh have a a a um more methodical plan instead of we're just off we're off fossil fuels in the next eight years it's no it's not gonna, it's not going to happen right it's not going to happen yep it, if it happens it's everyone's going to be uh homebound with no cars and 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 you know just no energy yep so yeah that's a a true statement you saw it happen in texas when they got a little cold so yeah all right uh Let's talk about proteins for a little bit here. It looks like, all right, so we're Memorial Day. We can just pass officially summer. So now we're in the heart of grilling season, and this typically is a seasonal high. You know, you got, you got a lot of stuff happening there. So I guess talk about what you see happening in the cattle and the hog market. Well, the, you know, the cattle market has, has suffered from high feed prices and the drought. Right. High feed prices mean I, I can't afford to feed the cattle. Uh, anymore, I can't fatten them up anymore. I don't want to fatten them up anymore, so I'm just going to send them, send them, send them to the packing house. Extra supply, or I have no pasture growth. I have no hay. I got nothing. I'm just going to send it, send it to the packing house. It's called herd liquidation, you know. And, and so we've been in a multi-year herd liquidation cycle. But if I'm right about what's to take place, the, the corn feed price is going to come down. The rains we're starting to see in some of these dry areas, which are, you know, areas that are a little more cattle-oriented, uh, grazing-oriented, you know, that's going to help. The further on we get into the season, in summer, fall, winter, we get even more rainfall. You know, all of a sudden we're going to have, we're, we're going to get our pa- we're going to get our pasture back, and so now all these animals that were heading to the packing house, they're going to start retaining the animals. They're going to start fattening them up. They're going to start reproducing them. They're going to start rebuilding the herd, and that means you're going to hear you're going to enter an air pocket here of supply, Casey. And we can say all we want about what demand's going to do or not do, but the supply situation that I see starting later, let's say the fall of this year into 2023, is so dire that even if we had a recession, even if we had a pullback on beef demand, I don't think that's going to be enough. To we're still going to have a shortage of not enough animals coming to the marketplace. And so for cattle, it's a pretty exciting prospect for prices, you know, when you, when you get on the other side of a herd liquidation cycle. 2013, 2014 was the last one of these we went through. Australia just went through one of these. And, um, and I think we're, gonna, we're just about ready to start the herd rebuilding cycle. And it's that this is when, you know, you just can't find an animal out there. To that. And, of course, then all the packing houses, as few as there are, they will start competing for the few animals that are available, and that's how you get the prices to, to rock and roll. The, the hog, <clears throat> hogs are a little different. Uh, 
we have been unwilling to grow the herd the last three years, despite most of the time some, some decent prices. Um, and I just think it's, it's because of all the cost increases we've seen, because of all the environmental uh, attacks that we've seen. You know, animal agriculture is bad. You know, animal agriculture is the, uh, you know, uh, is are killing people, you know. And so everyone's going out there and saying, you know, I'm, I'm making some money now, like the refiners. Do I really want to take some big risks and build that barn, that, that, that uh, you know, and, and get, you know, really spend some money to get this herd growing? I, I, thought, I, might, I think I'm just going to sit tight with what I have and uh, let, let the chips fall as they may. And, and that's, Something we've never really need, we've never seen this happen before that I'm aware of in the hog business. Whenever you've got good prices, they quit, they automatically grow the herd. So, uh, so that's that's a very different profile that we've ever seen before. And secondly, we're already starting to see the signs that China might start some early phases of reopening. There, there. I think there are new COVID infections got under hundred. As of yesterday, if, if you believe their numbers, but it looks like they might start some kind of a initial, you know, little start the like, kind of like we talked about with getting grain out of Ukraine, you know, baby steps. I don't think they're just going to open up everything. But I think they're going okay, we'll open up this area, then this and this, you know, and then over time, by the time we get to the fall, in the fourth quarter, most of it is going to be reopened again, and and that's where the demand for beef. The demand for pork, the demand for chicken, it's going to really take off. And remember, they have their holidays, though, that uh, New Year holiday, that's, the, I think, usually the month of February, that they got, they stock up with all this food so they have enough food to get through it. It could be, you know, the, the, the sore spot for the hog market has been no Chinese, you know, exports. Uh, you know, we're, us not exporting much pork to China, but I think that could really change in the fourth quarter, and that would also offer some pretty good upside here in the hog market. So I'm pretty bullish, Casey, on both hogs and cattle. Um, our smart money algorithm, as you know, that we follow, we've seen some parabolic buying in both markets here over the last month. Like, not just buying, I mean, like, panic buying by the smart money. Yeah, It's really unusual to see that kind of buying. It, it, when you do see it, it says, it, it typically means that you're near... An important bullish inflection point. So, there you have it. Right on. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is that you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett H A C K E T T Advisors dot com. Lots of information on there to give your listeners an idea of what we do to see if we could help. Right on, Sean. Appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. It's always, always. A blessing to be here. I appreciate that. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, at Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn, and check out the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and uh, you'll see all the great information that's out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. Also, go there to check out the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That is uh, coming up September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're interested in attending that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. I can get you more information, or you can sign up online right there on the website. Also, my good friend Alex Trachenko has decided to go back to Ukraine and uh, put a three-part series up uh, yesterday, kind of telling his story from 
basically the time that the uh, the Russian invasion started, and the, about the next uh, about the next thirty days or so that he spent um, in in Ukraine and Poland there, trying to get out of uh, out of harm's way. There, he decided to go back and start spread uh, humanitarian aid. If you'd like to help Alex out, he set up a GoFundMe page. Go to GoFundMe and just search "Help Alex Transport Aid from Ukraine to Poland," and they will uh, get that get that to him. He's going to buy a buy a cargo van, and he's linked up with some some U.S. churches and stuff that have um, operations set up there. You know, the Red Cross, those kind of things, and he's going to go around and, and pass out aid as needed. So, if you'd help, like to help Alex out, check out his GoFundMe, and that's "Help Alex Transport." aid from Poland to Ukraine. So check that out. Also, um, in the show notes from those that three-part series, you'll see the GoFundMe links there and everything else. So I'll post that here so everybody can see that. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Haggett. Let's move smart, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. See